Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 61. If we were a human, we'd be getting kind of older. Yeah, we'd be in the decline. We, or we'd be in or the we'd be in the golden... Yes. <laughs> These are the Hallison golden days. And to be frank, people are living longer. I think our, our podcast will go to at least 110, 112 years. Or, I mean, episodes. If we're no right. years, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, great episode for 61. A grep, as we like to call it. We call it, and we call it a grep on this show. And, man, we were really working within some guidelines here. A couple of barriers, parameters. Ah, with Mr. Michael Hardesty of 24 Hours Records, in which they pair musicians together, or I they, guess technically not pair. They triple at them. They triple at them. Occasionally quadruple at them. And they create uh, three songs in 24 hours. A very impressive task, if I might say so. Absolutely. And Mr. Hardesty is a very impressive guest, and he had a lot of interesting opinions on this process, which kind of gave birth to the show's topic, which was constraints, and how they breed creativity, and how we often set them up for ourselves to create something unique and novel and interesting. The beautiful thing about constraints, I think, is that it gives us freedom to sort of let go, to sort of lean into the guardrails or the program or the path, whatever that is. It's nice. Something that I think you could lean into and you could give yourself the constraints of is uh, a little Skillshare class that I have with friend of the show, Jake Jorgovin, episode 35. And friend of our guest. Yes, he was actually who introduced us. I think it's really interesting to sort of trace the genealogy of our guests and of, of how that kind of starts to spiderweb. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, I have a, a Skillshare class with Jake called Go Plus Do, uh, start a creative project that matters. And it very much is uh, based on this philosophy of constraints of giving you some guidelines some rules, some assignments, some homework, some guidance uh, as far as starting creative projects, finishing creative projects, becoming more creative, uh, wherever you are at in your career. And if you're interested in that, you can go to goplusdo.com, and I think that'll just redirect you to the Skillshare page. Well, as I'm sure if you search uh, Go Plus Do Skillshare, you'll find it. It'll also be in the show notes, if so, if anyone ever reads those. Eh, I read them. I read them because I've helped pick them up. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you, Grant, and thank you, Jake Jorgovin, for making Go Plus Do. Uh, and thank you to Michael Hardesty for making this episode what it was, a great one, a grep. And thank you, listeners, as always, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed as much as we did episode 61, Constraints. Play the castanets. Those are those little clamshell clickies. That's right. I bet I could. I bet I could fake it. Could I bet you would rock the castanets, my friend. Yeah, um, I, could it. <laughs> I played that in the college recreational band for a song. I'm not in the dancing mood, so I'm just gonna <laughs> go right for it. Vinny, can you tell me what are you putting your time into? What are you working on? I'd love to. Wow, I was. I can't. I can't stress enough how caught off guard I am that that only took a couple seconds to get to. And tell me how it's going. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going good. It's going good. Real busy. Um, 
got freelance work. I got office work. Ooh. Ben, I got some personal projects. Um, some beefies. Got a lot of stuff, a lot of pots on the oven. That's... Uh, you don't. You're not on the oven. You're on the stove, right? The stove. Yeah. yeah right. You know, I've never been a man of metaphor, or really. Of words. <laughs> or of words, despite my profession as a writer. Uh, but also, I just recorded another episode of a podcast that I'm a part of. That's a lot of fun with friend of the show and friend of mine personally, Elliot Matson. It's called These Parts. It's kind of a comedic take on a travelogue podcast. Anyone who wants to can check it out. Grant is rubbing his eyes, not just because of allergies, but yeah, because the allergies of... are bad and the annoyance is real. <laughs> just like we've talked about it, it, and it was like fun for a little bit. We had some banter, like haha, like don't talk about your other podcast on this show. That's annoying, and just <laughs> and and then it eventually it got to the point where I was like, no, really, don't. And then now here we are. It's like almost I'm past mad. I'm not even disappointed because that that implies I care too much. So I'm just meh. And I'm here just doubling down. I'm just fueled by it. Um, Leaning into it. But yeah, that, that's what I was up to uh, lately. And of course, the show, we've been recording kind of a lot lately. Um, Grant, what about you? What's been keeping you busy lately? Ooh, uh, I finished a cut of the music video I think I talked about in the last episode. It looks pretty dope. Maybe I'll show you after the episode. Ooh, um, I'd like that a lot. We were on set today. We had another shoot for a thing. It was pretty cool. And then I actually caught a little bit of the Twins game. Minnesota Twins are a professional baseball team. Uh, Basky, who I've done a couple music videos with now, was DJing the game. It was pretty funny. And last year this time, it was a nice milestone marker. Last year this time we were shooting a video for him from the, like about his experience of the game. And this year I was just chilling. And I wasn't shitting my pants because <laughs> last year at this time we were like, I think we had just gotten done with production, but we still had to edit it and I was super nervous. And There's a lot to be done. Well, I, I like those like sort of like temporal cues that yeah. make you think back on stuff. That's cool. Yeah. That's Sounds like you're busy as always, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Jamming on a lot of the musical things. True. And you know what? It's kind of inspired me to get some more musically inspired guests. Yes. And like today's guest. Like today's guest. And we're not going to acknowledge that as a segue because that would ruin it, okay? We're actually going to be disciplined and not do that this time. I, what I respect about us and about this show is there's no fat. We have nothing to trim. There's no excess. We're just point, 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 Lean. point. Yes. Lean. Exactly. Just like our guest today who <laughs> is putting himself under some pretty interesting... I don't want to say constraints. I would, though, want to say creative constraints. And that our guest today is Michael Hardesty. Yes, uh, you are the creator and producer of 24 Hours Records, which is an interesting concept. That we will definitely talk about at length coming up because it frames our discussion nicely. Before we get to all that, though... I would like to thank you, Michael, for taking the time to join us. We know you're busy, and we're very excited to talk to you. we got some cool stuff, some cool discussions queued up. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, sounds like you guys are super busy, so um, really oh, pumped that to B see. That B-word, jeez. We actually... Yeah. I, I committed a cardinal sin. I hate the B, the B word, yeah. the busy word. Slap. The B word. I just got <laughs> yeah. fake slapped. You know, busyness is like, no, it's not an excuse for anything. But I just wanted to show my appreciation. I, yeah, yeah. My heart was in the right place. Yes, yes, yes. I think well, we're, we're all unless you're doing cool stuff. If you're, do, if you're busy doing really cool stuff, then that's, that's great. And, and you're coming to us from Nashville, yeah? 
Yes, I'm. I'm here in it specifically East Nashville, but yes, Nashville. What's What's particular about East Nashville compared to West Nashville or North Nashville or South Nashville? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to brag too much, but I think that East Nashville, that's where most of the creatives, the cool people live, the musicians, the artists, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say that. You said it, but but yeah. (laughs) We said it together. You signed off. I think we said it together. (laughs) Hey, well, thanks for calling in from Nashville. And now I will selfishly shoehorn my way in and and take the distinct honor of asking you, Michael, what yes. have you been putting your time into recently? What's been keeping you busy? Well, uh, we just released a 24-hour records episode about two weeks ago. A lot of promotion goes along with that. Um, and I am really trying to schedule up another filming um, at the end of June. Uh, in the middle of June, I actually go down to Bonnaroo, and yeah. I'm a part of the – yeah. I'm a part of the uh, Hay Bale Studio, so I do all the recording for that. So that's 40 bands in four days. Wow. Um, yeah. You just really get off to these uh, specific time period. Is that what attracted you to 10,000 hours? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. Um, yeah, it's all about how much can I do in the shortest amount of time possible. But yeah, um, that's, that's kind of got me set up for the next five to six weeks. Hell yeah. Damn, well, that's awesome. As Vince yeah. alluded... Today, we're talking about creative constraints. Absolutely. Vince, Vince, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, there's an old saying, right? And it's that limits breed creativity, right? And that goes to say, I mean, it's not maybe literally applicable all the time, but it goes to say that creativity is really the art of solving problems and the creation of specific problems can create specific results. Mm -hmm. So I'm being a little bit vague about it. But more or less, it's when you present yourself a unique set of circumstances, the creative product can sometimes benefit from that because it's something that wouldn't have happened of natural genesis. Or suffer, too. I think, you know, we're we're pretty high on, uh, we're pretty bullish. We're bullish on constraints because, you know, I think we're looking for them oftentimes. But I think there's also times where they can be a detriment. I totally agree, and I can't wait to dive into that and more questions. But first, I'd like to kind of ask you, Michael, if you will, to describe 24-Hour Records and how that sort of embodies, in a way, the idea of creative constraints. It's, cause it's, a, it's a unique model that you're doing at 24-Hour Records. Well, of course, you know, for years it's been the 48-hour model, <laughs> and you've yeah. cut it right in half. Yeah, absolutely. No, 48-hour film festival has been a huge just inspiration to us. But 24-hour records is three to four musicians who have never met, locked in a studio, noon to noon, 24 hours, uh, writing and recording three songs on the spot. Um, And that specific model came in response to... Um, as with as with almost all creative industries in the past ten to fifteen years, dealing with the uh, digitization of the creative process, whether it's Pro Tools, whether it's Photoshop, whether it's Premiere, um, that allows endless creative uh, tinkering. I guess would be the right word. Uh, so we wanted to get away from that. Not that we're not using those programs. But we are forcing ourselves to make decisions on the spot, on the go, and go with our gut and see what happens. That's great. I think it's a perfect illustration of what we're getting at. You are 
making music under what is maybe objectively not ideal conditions, right? You have three artists. Absolutely. They might be disparate styles. They might be disparate approaches personally to music making. You stick them in a room together. You give them a extremely sharp deadline. And the product, the, the way you reach the product is more interesting and indicative of the work than the product itself. Am well, I right in understanding that? Absolutely. No, I think... No, but are you, is it? Like, I mean, to me, that implies that it's a novelty and that maybe that the results aren't uh, the same caliber as somebody who takes two months. To All right. Okay. Yeah. No. no, 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 no. Fair enough. I mean, I think that ultimately if we started it, I mean, if we started it as a novelty, we would have finished, we would have, you know, called it quits in the first three months or the first three episodes. But I think what we're seeing is that there, there is a true, uh, there's a true advantage to what we're going through and the end product speaks for itself um, because basically human nature responds to that type of pressure, uh, whether it's creativity or whether it's survival. There's some type of response and generally, uh, if you get the right people together at least, uh, they're going to take it to the next level in a shorter amount of time than if they had, you know, this is some... Unlimited de- deadline. So let's get a little more specific, I think, because I think it, because we're talking about numbers and constraints, I think it's interesting to dig into some of the quantifiable stuff. So how many episodes have you done? We have filmed 13, released wow. 11. Okay. Oh. Okay. Two of them just didn't make the cut. No, they're, they're in post. They <laughs> no, in post? No, yeah, they're in okay. post. Yeah. <laughs> but that scary. actually brings me to my question. I'm really curious, what kind of sort of dynamics do you have with the artists? Do they vary? Have you noticed a pattern emerging? And what kind of end product, how does it change, do you think, from like a more traditional studio recorded album? What is different about the sound and the songs that you get as a product? And I'd like to hear about what you've seen this project create as far as end products and experiences go. Yeah, um, okay, so... Uh, in terms of experience as a producer engineer, which is what I started out as, uh, I would say this: these are the most exciting pieces of art that I've been able to create because of the because the un, uh, the lack of predictability. Uh, when you are working for an artist as a producer engineer, when you're working for a record label or when you have to answer to a manager or whatever it may be, any of those factors, you are so, uh, often constrained by any of those people. And when you walk in with this, not only you as a producer engineer, but any of the artists, they don't have to answer to any of those, um, constraints. They don't have to answer to what does my band do what would my sound be like it's just it's just what is going on in these next 24 hours and how do we document that properly um in terms of patterns yeah we definitely see i want to say two different patterns we see a couple a couple of these sessions have turned out to be like a bunch of bros that just fit into a band right away and they they play together and they write together and they record together and it's all very it's all very like that first band that you had in your you know in your parents' garage. Sure. Uh, on the other hand, 
you have a lot of people who are very, very piecemeal, and it be and it turns into like a almost like an overdub fest, which is also totally fine. Uh, yeah, overdub uh, uh, overdub fest, which is something I've only termed uh, that festival for in Northern Michigan, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in exactly. the Upper Peninsula, biannually. <laughs> it's 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 only I've only termed it for this project, but basically it's like okay, I I've for got a podcast that would have been cooler. Okay. Go on, go on. <laughs> No, an overdub fest is I've got a beat. Okay, now I've got a chord progression. Okay, now I've got a melody. Okay, now and and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on until you're finished, which is totally fine and it's equally valid way to make music. What does that mean though? Like overdub, like you're going over. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So uh, for the overdub, uninitiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those losers who don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Beside um, you. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying. I'm trying to even figure out how to verbalize it. Um, but overdubs. So basically, when you go to, when you go in and sit in to make a, uh, a normal record, you do what you call tracking, and that's where you know the drummer and the bass player and the rhythm guitar and and most of the main instruments get tracked, and then you start adding overdubs. So those are like the guitar solos or the vocals or ah. uh, anything like that. So does it so, feel like a little bit like cheating uh, from a musical standpoint? Yeah, I mean it. it is I that, mean, is it, that what we mean by piecemeal? Like, oh, we're just doing like these little elements and then yeah, them I together. Mean, it, it it could be considered cheating if we weren't doing it so quickly. <laughs> like we, <laughs> right? Like, I uh, mean, maybe cheating's not the right word. Just less organic, and that doesn't necessarily mean worse, right? Right. No, absolutely not. Because what you what you end up having is you have these three to four musicians, and one person comes up with the beat, and one person comes up with the chord progression, and and so on and so on. So it just becomes very very like dependent it's almost like um that game uh uh like what was it uh phone oh gosh telephone. yeah telephone around yeah campfire? where yeah telephone around yeah, a campfire yeah. where it's like it's you know to modify from the original yeah exactly so like, I, I say candied corn by the end we're talking about uh panda porn panda porn panda porn yeah, panda porn. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go so i mean a lot of our sessions will turn and, in and who's to say one is better than the other or worse Right, exactly. I mean, and, when, and who's to say they couldn't combine to make something truly divine? <laughs> wow, put that, that on was, a T-shirt. Thank you. That was a good rhyme. But this um, is like this is interesting to me. So it sounds like even though there are different routes to achieve the end goal, that there's always a level of collaboration. That this kind of I don't want to call it an experiment because it's turned out better than that. That sounds a little too early. No, I don't think so. I like that. I mean, I think it is. So, no, yeah. we are an experiment. Great. So this experiment that you set up has had at least one consistent result, which is that it gets people of disparate style sometimes to work together well, if that means one thing or another. Uh, have you had any that maybe haven't really yeah, gelled? Yeah. Or what I was going to well ask was, have you failed? Yeah. Um, I mean... Like I, I mean, even in terms of, have you not put out three songs, or on a different level, have you had something would you, you call failure? Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's a that's a great question, and I mean, I think most people jump to that right away. Have we failed in terms of not putting out three songs? No. We've always put out three songs. Thirteen out of thirteen times, we've walked in the studio, we've got three songs. A, a couple of times, though, you just pulled like Pharrell's happy, and you just put it out twice. <laughs> and said this too. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No. I mean. <laughs> I I personally I have failed uh, a few time a handful of times in in terms of not placing the right people uh, in the right scenario. That's your job, yeah. That's that is my job, and I failed. Uh, I would say two to three times explicitly. Um, 
have we failed in terms of not making interesting music? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we're making music that wouldn't be made anywhere else. Um, whether that's good or bad, whether that's uh, going to sell a ton of copies, well, whether it's going to interest a ton of people, eh, who cares? I think ultimately what we're doing is saying, you know, here are three musicians that would have never gotten together before this or wouldn't have never gotten together for another reason. We got them together. They did what they did. We documented it and we helped them, you know, we helped push them along in some manner uh, creatively because, you know, we are, we're, we're helping produce, we're helping to get this out there. Um, so I don't think like creatively we've ever totally fallen on our face. Um, I, like I said, you know, I do think that I've put some people in interest, like negatively interesting situations and, and it hasn't worked out as best as it could have. So that I'm, thank you for being candid. First of all, Second of all, you said some really good stuff there. I think number one that I latched onto, you said that the point was really that this would never have existed. These three artists would have never gotten together, as you put it, had it not been for this project. And so that's a lot of the reason people do these projects, these creative constraint projects, is because through these constraints, something new and novel is born. Absolutely. What I think is just as interesting as the end product is the way that creators arrive on these constraints, what these constraints specifically should be, and why we're even doing the project in the first place. So I would like you to maybe riff just a little bit on the genesis of 24 Hour Records and what you think needed to be accomplished yeah. why you were inspired to create the constraints that you did and why those constraints were as specific as they were. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, okay, so there's the philosophical origin of 24-hour records and then there's the app, like the practical origin of 24-hour records. So the philosophical. Um, we, my production partner and I, working in Nashville, great town. Um, if anyone doesn't, you know, completely understand how music production goes. Again, it goes back to that, that Pro Tools era. Anyone, um, democratization. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The democratization of technology. Anyone can make a record at any point and can take, you know, between one day and multiple years to make a record because everyone has Pro Tools. Everyone has a set of speakers. Um, and you know, you can go on forever. So philosophically, we were working on a ton of records that were taking way too long because one or multiple parties were getting in the way of the finalization of that. The practical reason why we started 24 hour records, I was working as a producer, a freelance producer, trying to find clients, found a client that I absolutely loved. Um, in many creative industries, the, the barrier to entry is purely financial. Um, it's pretty and, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is not, I mean, I don't, I mean, even in an era of democratization, I think there's still like a, a misperception about some of the barriers and the hurdles involved with actual entry, but, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so, so I found a client loved him, you know, loved his music to death, loved him even as a friend, great guy. And he said, 
you know, Michael, I really want you to work on this record. I really want to go to this studio. What can we do if we spent the amount of money to rent this studio and your time for one day? How long, how long is one day? And I said, well, you know, uh, I think to the studio, it's, it's actually 24 hours. And I think, you know, because I, lo- I enjoyed him as a friend, also as a, as a working partner, I said, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's just, let's do 24 hours in the studio. You've got this amount of budget. Let's see what we can possibly get done. And that, those two ideas kind of combined, um, again, the philosophical and the practical. And um, we started doing this project with friends uh, that didn't hate it. <laughs> and we kept moving and started reaching outside of our network. And then, you know, eventually the the musicians and, and the other creatives involved, they just, they sort of just kind of like came to it and said, yeah, this is a cool idea. Why, why isn't someone doing this? I want to be a part of this. And then we went from there. Rad. This is reminding me of, um, well, I mean, one of, one of the values, one of the benefits of constraints is it forces uh, scrappiness. And, and it forces creative problem solving. And this reminds me very much of the way we've been running our productions because we are shooting a lot of stuff, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the last like year. And a lot of those productions, one of two things is happening. We're either shooting two overnights. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's three music videos I can think of that we've made in the last year that we shot Friday night, overnight, Sunday night, overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, wrapped at like 6 or 7 a.m. on Monday morning, technically. But we only had to pay for weekend rental for exactly. one day, right? And so, like, that fucking forced our hand there. Um, exactly. So it just, yeah, it, it forces you to get it scrappy and forces you to, like, make some interesting decisions there. Be resourceful. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, and I think maybe we can get at kind of this is part of what Vince was asking and what we were talking about before was, like, defining success. So getting into any sort of scenario and knowing what success actually is and oftentimes i think that is actually going through with it almost almost regardless of the results right the fact Mm -hmm. that you put yourself in that position and Mm -hmm. you might have failed but like oh wait there are a bunch of these like ancillary benefits that's your success metric so uh, the question for me is what what is success look like for 24 hours records yeah Yeah, that's a great question and i just wanted to parlay quickly because by its nature, setting up creative constraints is at odds with optimization, right? Because yeah. if you're trying to do something absolutely optimal, you want to eliminate as many constraints as possible, mm-hmm. in theory, right? Really? Mm-hmm. I think so, right? Okay, if, okay, you, okay. if you want the, the best, highest, total quality possible record, you take as much time as you need, you have the biggest budget that you could possibly have, you sure. have all the tools at your disposal, you're eliminating sure. constraints. So max, I would say like maximization sure, versus sure. optimization. That's I, a good optimization point. Optimization is like thrives with constraints. I, all right, that's a good delineation. Yes, absolutely. So that's what makes this question to me very interesting. So now, if you would, please. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, okay, so so I'll I'll give you the answer um, that I had before before last month, and then I'll give you the answer that I that I am going to steal from someone because of last month. Is it us? Perfect. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing no. We've been ripped off a million times. We've got so many quotable moments, tweetable maybe, moments. <laughs> I'm sure, maybe, I'm sure maybe people was, are tweeting during this entire episode, just ripping us off. Maybe maybe it was you, but um, I I'll I'll obviously right. quote. Quote my uh, actual source. Um, so, so I think 
success for 24 hour records is is making like i said before making things happen that would never happen before um uh, creating moments that wouldn't be organically found um and and really almost in a way um kind of going back to even like the very first thing we talked about is coming up with creativity in 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 a group of people that maybe almost sub- subverts the uh traditional uh portals for creation and release now last about maybe i don't know maybe 6 weeks ago we filmed our most recent episode and and I heard the best answer to what success is for 24 hour records and what success is for most artists. Um, and I, I have to quote the source. It was, uh, Matt Odemark. Uh, we were doing an episode with him. He is one of the founding members of jars of clay, uh, which was kind of a throwback for me, kind of like, wow, this is one of my favorite bands and, you know, fourth grade or whatever, but kind of circling back around to it. And, um, he he ultimately defines success for any creative as, um, and this of course is in the music in a music context, but you can take it out. Is writing a song good enough today to be able to write another song tomorrow? And I was just like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Um, we want to do a session, or we want to film an episode, or we want to produce a song, or we want to you know make a music video good enough today that allows us to to do that same thing again tomorrow or, you know, whenever it is. So I think, I think that's ultimately like, I'm again, I'm stealing that completely from him. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, if we break that down a little bit though, like I I get it, I guess, but it's like, it's progression, right? Yeah. But it's also like, um, it, it, it is setting a certain bar as in the implication to me is that this needs to be of a certain ilk, in order to get a, it's like a, any creative, a freelance creative. I think it's very applicable. I need this project to get me my next project. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think it's kind of for me operating on two levels. One is like a very simple and straightforward sustainability message. You need it to make an impact and you need it to be successful to a level that keeps excitement high and keeps people interested in being part of the project and listening to the project and consuming it. Right. You need it. You need whatever you're doing as a creative to be sustainable. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you you just can't do anything anymore. Yeah. Um, on the other level, you need it to be fulfilling enough mm-hmm. and inspiring enough on a personal level to keep you pushing for what comes next. Yeah. So maybe it's not a a project to project. It's a, like a longer term thing. Where my projects have to exhibit growth and they have to imply growth. And I have to look at them and see that I got something out of them because that wills me to do and take on the next project. Absolutely. Dude, I, I think even from almost maybe like an adrenaline like perspective, um, I, I was thinking about that. We had a guy named Chris McAllister. Uh, oh, I was going to say he's in, no, he's in Columbus. But, but we were talking about like adrenaline addiction and it's almost like the idea of heightening any sort of reality. It's just like, oh, like for me, what that looks like a lot of times is like delving into a new discipline or doing another thing that I think will like complement other disciplines. Sure. And it's almost like a guaranteed level of that, of like, Mm -hmm. of progression because I'm shitty at this thing. So I want to try this thing. And I know like if I put enough energy into it, 
it will get better. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I, I was trying to go down this line of questioning a little bit before, but like, I, again, I think this is such a, there's the philosophical side of your time, but the practical side. So like episode by episode, what are you guys like, what are you guys trying to do? And, and what are the resources you have to expel? So, I mean, yeah. what, we don't have to get super deep into numbers if you don't want to. I think it might be interesting. If you think it's interesting, you would know better. But yep. like, you know, what are the resources you have to expel on filming, on studio? Uh, and, and like, what is that? How does that recoup? What is that? What does that whole sure. like model look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So from a, uh, from like a, I guess what we're, what we have to spend money on, um, to make an episode happen. Yeah. We have to, we have to buy a studio or rent a studio. We have to, we've got uh, a director videographer. We've got a second videographer slash photographer. We've got myself. We've got a second producer. So, uh, basically the, the team is four people plus a studio, um, plus basically whatever, whatever it takes to make the day happen. So, uh, Food, beer, cigarettes, whatever, whatever the musicians want. Fuel, I, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's a serious expense, surprising to a lot of people. But but those those are the things that need to you know uh, actually need to make it happen. Um, in terms of recruitment, what what? How do we bring you know? How do we bring money in? It's YouTube views, which are you know. I mean, that's so hard to make money off of. Yeah. Um, it's song sales. We have an exclusive, uh, sync licensing relationship with dual tone records. That's, that's huge. Um, because if you get a song synced per, uh, synced per episode, you've almost automatically recouped. Um, so between song sales, song syncs, and potentially any sponsorships that, that may come or not come. So that's the, where so we're at. Do the musicians then sign over rights in participation? Uh, no, actually, they. I mean, this is very similar to any co-write that they would walk into the door or walk into in Nashville. They retain one hundred percent of their songwriting rights. Um, now, that's obviously split between three or four people, but that's how a co-write works. Uh, and we retain the master rights because we are funding the creation of the master. Sure, 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 sure. So. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting look inside. I'm curious about the fact that kind of the, the natural goal of constraints is to cause frustration, right? It's to throw up barriers that Absolutely. force you to work around, right? That It doesn't always happen that way because you anticipate the constraints. Sure. It doesn't actually cause dissonance. But it's kind of the, the hidden underlying goal. Have you ever experienced either yourself, your artists, uh, the people that work with you on the project, Mm-hmm. exhibiting frustration inwardly or outwardly over this specific model or otherworldly <laughs> yeah supernaturally <laughs> <laughs> um so myself absolutely 100% i've um if not for if not for other people on the production team talking me down yes i would have i would i would have jumped i would have walked away so many times um in terms of artists, 
they get so excited. Again, this is so, like, if you really, really think, if you really sit and think about what an artist does every day, a musician, a songwriter, um, if you really think about what they do every day, this is so out of the norm for them that they really get pumped up. They, you know, it's, it's like drinking creative Red Bull, you know. They really get, like so excited about this that they they love it and certainly they have i mean they have some qualms you know at 3 a.m like everyone does like no one no one loves 3 a.m um but but they work through it so much quicker than you know like i would on a creative level because they're just they're really excited to be there and i i really think that's like that's one of the things, like, if they weren't that excited to be there, we would, again, we would have folded around episode three. They're the feel, right? Because you, um, I, I, I mean, I relate a lot of stuff to filmmaking now, but it's like, in these situations, it's like, you're the director, you're dictating the energy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. You're, you're there to facilitate. You're mm-hmm. there to just be the guardrails for oh, these yeah. people to bump up against. And, oh, yeah. like, when people don't have to be the, the engine, or they don't think they're the engine, even though they really are... They can go so much quicker than you would expect. And this is reminding me of something that I've done with Vince probably eight, six times, five, I don't know. We like these um, deep dives mm-hmm. where it's like we get six guys, well, six humans in a room and we're trying to solve a specific client problem or brand problem or like a naming project. That's a specific one we've done several times. Mm-hmm. And everybody there is just excited. Yeah, yeah, and we like we're forced to present on the fly, yeah. compile our ideas, justify them, back them up right there that same day. And yep. it's those constraints that they give you the release. They urge yeah. us freeing. to. F- yes, exactly. Constraints can often be freeing. Yeah, well, because you think uh, when I think of some projects or anything, it's like there's a weight associated with them. But when you know it's just like a, a workout that you know is like an, or like a practice that's going to last like two hours, you're like, okay, this is only two hours. Right. And you, you like fundamentally know at the end of this, we have to be done. And so like you're, it's almost like you can just like, you can cognitively understand that and physically react and just like go, 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 go because you know it will end. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think for the musicians, I mean, that's, that's the exact mindset that they're able to get into. Um, and I mean, for me, not as much because I'm always, I mean, clearly I'm always thinking about, well, how do I release this? Details, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do I release this or how do I schedule the next one? Um, but no, you guys, I mean, you guys are absolutely right. I think like it, it, it pumps them up and it, and it keeps them going. And, and 4am is, I mean, you're three or 4am that, that sucks for them, but they oh, know that ultimately. Or three thirty. Oh, yeah, exactly. Four fifteen. Four fifteen. You know, they they ultimately know that um, you know at twelve thirty the next morning they can go to sleep and it's over. Yeah, it's it's ebb and flow, and then it's like you know it's this little sprints and mm-hmm. seeing a finish line can sometimes do wonders. And I think what can't be overstated enough is the revitalizing effect projects like these can have yeah, on oh us. Gosh. Breaking us out of a pattern, a specific mm-hmm. way of doing things, breaking down our own processes and mixing it up. Not only does it create a very specific type of creativity during the project, but a lot yep. of times it can stretch our own perceptions of the way that we th- do things normally. And it can re-energize and reinvigorate us to get back to projects without constraints or projects with different constraints, et cetera, et cetera. Have you kind of observed that in your own work? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had so so certainly in my own work, it's it's been great. Like we always, you know, we always go away for what we consider two to three days and 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 do these episodes and we come back. But like, I think the real the really, really cool success stories of 24 hour records. And there's, there's three in particular is when the musicians that have never met before, they walk in the door and then they walk out of the door and they work again together. Yes, that's, yes. that's it. That's it for me. So, so a couple of examples, um, you know, we had one artist that, uh, was a, he was going in to make his normal record about, you know, maybe two weeks after he was filming with us. So not only did he, take one of the songs that they had written during our session and include that on the album. But he took the two members that he was working with and he integrated them into his studio band. Yeah, exactly. So stuff like that, that's happened again, a handful of times, but ultimately I like, I think that's the, that's the biggest success right there of 24. That's, that's where it's at. I mean, that's, I, I don't know as specifically, but there are like so many things like that that either through some of these deep dive things, or I think of even like in a different way, just like these like brunches would do with people, mm-hmm. where it's like you can bring people together because you know they're both awesome, and then you just watch them run away and go play, you know? And it's like yeah, exactly awesome. It's the like, idea, yeah, yeah, it it kind of is self sustaining. Then it's progenation of the idea and of the concept, and that. That's exciting and that's cool. We're talking about creativity and creations that are bred from constraints. And this reminds me of a tale that a is a fable. Of a fable and it is a said to be true, might be apocryphal, might be anecdotal, but there is a saying that there was once a vendor of pastries and he was having a problem because he would make the pastries faster than people would want to faster than people were wanting to buy the pastries faster than he could make them. And so he'd make them really fast. And when people would buy them, the insides would still be molten hot and uncooked. They would be not fully fried. So he came up with the idea to make a ring-shaped pastry that would cool from the inside and outside. And so this constraint was a response to a problem that he did not know how to solve. And and Vince, what did the people say? They said, what are you doing? Are you nuts? Of course, that evolved over time. To be the word donuts. Just an incredible story. So that last part is definitely apocryphal because Grant just made it up right now. But each week, we like to add a constraint to our conversation with our guests and talk about something that is not at all pertinent to the discussion at hand. We sometimes try to make it seem pertinent, but it's never, it never is. Uh, so this week, we're talking about donuts. What are you doing? Are you nuts? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you nuts? <laughs> Mr. Hardesty. Yes. Do you like donuts? Can I ask him too? Do you know who Chris Hardwick is? I do not know who Chris Hardwick okay, is. He's no. from Nashville and he's like a donut fiend. You know Hardwick. Oh. Yes. And he was recently in Minneapolis and he went to Glendale Donuts. He like goes to little donut shops every time he's in. That's he's a stand-up comedian. He's a Nerdist podcast. Oh, and I he's gotcha. from Nashville. 
so you should <laughs> yeah no Acquire i should yourself. i should i, should, I need to get out yeah more no come on man wow <laughs> no, it's all good. you're letting your city down <laughs> now, i would i think that's a little harsh but i am curious do you like donuts i do love donuts specifically from don't kill me the south dunkin donuts Oh, don't don't worry. I'm I a huge. You say, I honestly thought you were saying like a weird boutique donut. Don't kill donut. me the south. Don't kill me the south. <laughs> no, I just, I just. It's know a Dunkin' Donuts subsidiary. It's a small <laughs> yeah. boutique firm. Okay. No, I just know uh, that the south is not. Uh, I've actually never had a. I've been to Dunkin' Donuts many, many times, like in New York mostly, or like I think. Oh, we were. Yeah, yeah, we were like we've been on the east coast a bit, but like sure, never actually had a donut there. I've always just gotten coffee. Yeah, they're both good. Yeah, I am a huge Dunkin' Donuts fan. I actually want one to come to Minneapolis. I love the, like, cup of joe style coffee they have. Yeah. And their donuts are cheap as hell, and they're pretty tasty. A little, oh, yeah. They're, like, pretty sweet, but they're, they're tasty. How would you compare them to, like, a Krispy Kreme? Oh. Uh, okay, sorry, I know I'm asking, like... It's different, right? It's, like, Krispy Kreme has, like, an oily kind of crunchy donut. It's very, like, it's more like a candy bar than a donut a Krispy Kreme donut yeah. is. Uh, but the Dunkin' Donuts are more like actual donuts. Like a little heartier? Yes, like, they're, yeah. do- they're actually doughier. Yeah. They're breadier. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's fair. I'm just curious. I, I haven't had like a ton of donuts. What's your favorite donut there? Um, I am a fan of blueberry cake donut. That's a very, very hearty donut. Oh, wow. It's that a dense cool. one. Yeah, it's good. I don't want to sidetrack us, but are we... Is it allowable... Under the given constraints to talk about cronuts. Oh, I know we're is. all thinking it. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, it is. That was 2013's hottest food, the cronut. And I mean, Krispy Kremes were like 2006's hottest food. Yes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Donuts are in. Donuts are in. I know you and I had a great donut experience together. Oh, at Voodoo? Yeah, at Voodoo in Portland. And, and I mean, another project that was bred by constraints. Two weeks mm-hmm. in a car. Oh West my, Coast. creatives go let's west. Not, let's not get into it, but yes, voodoo. We had a delightful time. What did, uh, what did we have? We had a uh, bacon maple. Yes, the bacon maple. Had I had a... the cookies and cream, which is an Oreo glazed donut filled with Oreo custard, <laughs> which is a diabetic gluttonous. <laughs> yeah, it was very indulgent. Um, uh, but yeah, they're a cool. They're a cool shop out yeah. in Portland. Oh, like a cap and crunch one, I think. Uh, yes, pretty tasty. I think that was Fitzpatrick. Yeah, classic, classic. Um, Any donuts you don't like? Ones that have fallen to the ground. <laughs> Any donuts you do not care for? <laughs> I see you pick that up off the ground. And I'm going. What are you doing? Are you nuts? <laughs> it's a good runner we've got running. That's a question for both of you guys. Um. No, I mean I. Well, you know, actually, I take that back. Gosh. Uh, I'm not a big old fan of uh, of filling. Oh, you don't oh, like no. any type of yeah. filling? Not I custard, need, not cream. I need the traditional. I need the traditional uh, hole in the middle. That's fair. Yeah. I'm a fan, actually. What's um? Uh, what are the names of some of these custard? Fillings? The the eclair. That's the eclair. I not the long fan. john. I think a long john's okay, but there's another one. It's like got maybe like a raspberry. It's a the the jelly filled type yeah, thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I it's don't know. It's got an actual you name. Know what I'm it's like an iceberg. No, yeah, like I'm that. not cultured enough to know the sure, actual. Sure, sure. But one of those. I, I used to really love those in high school. I would actually bring them for our SADD students against drug driving, which turned into students against destructive decisions. 
Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More inclusive. Because I was drinking, but I was never driving. <laughs> was yeah, drink, but don't drive. That's my fault. That was kind of my jam, yeah. <laughs> don't drive ever, even when you're sober. That's my it. personal they, they might like. Uh, they might re- retroactively pull my captain's. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> uh,. I am also a donut fan. Yes, Vinny. Huge donut uh, fan. Talk to me, talk to me. What you know, you like? the the thing that I do that people don't always get on board with is I prefer the frosted vanilla donuts as opposed wow. to frosted chocolate. I'm hot. about that, Vince. I'm about... Uh, okay. I agree. A, a, a kind of, just a quick aside, the cupcakes, where would you stand between chocolate and vanilla? Also vanilla. Also yes, vanilla. good man. See, that's where I stand as well. Not that I don't like chocolate. Yes, yes, yes. Chocolate's awesome, but... So, I'm curious... Uh, and sorry, brother, but locally, yes. Like, is there? Have you had donuts? From, we've got a pretty like burgeoning donut culture here. I don't know if you, do you as well, Michael. Um, we have like no, it's kind I of a trendy. It like, it's like an Instagram. It's thing. in it's, like, it's cupcakes five years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's Krispy Kremes twelve years ago. <laughs> gotcha. No, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what we do. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so we definitely do. It's like there's Bogarts, there's Glamdahl, there's so yeah. My my two are between Baker's Wife and Glamdahl. Okay, I've never been to Baker's Wife. Very good, super good. Definitely more of like Glamdahl does kind of the same thing as Voodoo and like yeah. interesting creations. Yeah, in a classic donut style where Baker's Wife is definitely more like artisanal quality first. Here's the thing for me, it's like I'm. I, and I think generally people kind of are, they get over the novelty of it. Kind of like 24 hours records. If <laughs> no, 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 no. But you get over the novelty of like, oh, I get it. You put Fruit Loops out of donut. Hi. Yeah, right, right, right. And then right. you start kind of coming back around to, okay, what is like, what is, what's a little bit subtler taste? What is the, like that artisanal, uh, their go-to and they have like jam filled stuff. That's so good there. I think of, Bogarts to me is a little bit more like that. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. uh, a friend of the show, uh, Jake Heinitz, recently came over here, actually for a meeting with Death to the Stock guys, another friend of the show who were in Minneapolis last week, and um, he brought us some Bogarts, and he brought, let's see, he brought three, and I don't remember all three, but I remember one was like a lavender, and it was fucking delightful. Like, I don't, I didn't know what to expect when he said that. I think of like Bed Bath, or like a Bath and Body. Yeah, salt, like like bath salt. Weird, like, yeah, well, and I think we like bath salts on this show. (laughs) But the I'm drug, I'm not the yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it was just like so simple and delicious. And I didn't need like I didn't need any cereal. I didn't need any like crazy f- cream or frosting. And it was just just it was nice. just good. Yeah, Michael, I have to ask: if you're not eating a donut, is there another be- breakfast pastry <laughs> that you prefer? Oh. um... I'm a big fan. We just got a place here in Nashville uh, that does, I don't know if this counts as a pastry, but they do kolaches. It's a, it's a Texas thing, I think. Oh, I'll, I'll have to correct you quickly. Don't because hate me. It is, <laughs> it is not a Texas thing. That is a Czechoslovakian Oh, my God. Thing. You have crossed the wrong coach. This is oh, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, originally, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but he, he, the guy who runs the shop, presents it as kind of a texas tradition but you're absolutely right he does have that in the back of you know the back of the menu but anyways they're they're really the really disclaimer. good stuff you're, you're talking to vincent kochi who is yes. very czech very okay. czech uh i was lucky enough to visit my family in the czech republic i still have extended family out there um oh. and my departed grandmother she was an award-winning kalachi baker ah 
in That's the Midwest. Amazing. So I'm a huge Kalachi fan. You do not need what, to sell me on Kalachis. What's Kalachi? Oh, would you like to explain or I can? Well, no. Let's let it in. That's sure. probably in our best So yeah. it's, imagine a little, uh, similar to a donut consistency, similar to a Danish consistency, most similar, kind of cookie. And then in the middle is a glob of filling. And so it rests, it's like an open-faced filled donut. Yeah. And then usually some sort of confectioner's cheese and Ooh. maybe frosting or powdered sugar is dusted over the top. Ooh. Yep. Sign me up. It's See, I've, I've only, good. I'm glad that you're the expert because I've only been hip to kolaches for about like maybe nine months as long as this this one and guy has been here. How many centuries has your family been <laughs> hip to quite, quite literally <laughs> dozens. Um, yeah. But that's awesome. Do you have a favorite flavor of kolache? Uh, the, this guy, uh, this one shop, just kind of makes a lot of a jalapeno and cheese-based kolache. So Ooh, that sounds good. I'm intrigued. That's that's what I'm going to. Yeah, cheese kolache is one of my favorites. Oh. I also love uh, apricot. It's Ooh, a traditional wow. flavor. And then the most traditional, which I'm not actually a huge fan of, is poppy seed. I can mm. see it. Good way to fail a drug test. A delicious way. Um, <laughs> if you're going to. That was... I'm actually so just endeared and heartwarmed to get to talk to, about like a family tradition here on the show. Oh, so that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. <sighs> man, you, here's a cool thing to me about about something like a kolache or something like a donut is we have a canvas. We have something that we at least have a general sense of what it is. And from within and on top of and around, we can start to create. And honestly, like, I mean, that is why like music, songs, that is why paintings, any of these things, those are the initial constraints. But I think because, and I don't want to say specifically, but maybe uh, the democratization we're talking about of technology, of tools, of, of access to resources that allow us to create, because that is such a pervasive thing in our culture, now we need to find another way, another layer on top of the canvas, okay? And so I think that's what's cool to me about 24 Hours Records and about creative constraints in general, because it just is adding another layer, in such an interesting way. And I know I was poking at you guys about the novelty of, or or the, novelty is not the right word, but to use, uh, or, or to say that the process is the, is, oh, it's cool because of the process. And I think, you know, that's, that's true besides just, you know, strictly time-based. You know, if we see mm-hmm. someone live painting, if we see someone, oh, they only paint with X. Like, that has been interesting. But I think time-based things seem to be more and more uh, popular now. And also, I think I, I understand the appeal of them. So I'm curious, maybe just to pop us back in and then we'll get to some last thoughts. But I'm just wondering, where do you see 24 Hours Records going from here? Do you see that expanding in constraints? Do you see that, you know, what's the next thing for you guys? Or is it just keep making? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I, I, w- I definitely want to keep making. I want to get bigger and bigger artists um, here in town. Um, the long, long-term goals um, I would love to offer more time constraint, you know, uh, based projects where, you know, maybe we're doing a cover song within an hour or, a full or, album, right? or, yeah, or a full album within two days or something like that. Um, also, uh, you know, at least where we've been right now, I would love to expand to other cities. I, I want to travel, um, or set up teams in other cities. I mean, we're, we are, 
getting at a lot of musicians in Nashville that, you know, again, maybe don't have the, have the means to make an EP or maybe don't have the means to get an EP out there in the right way or especially with video content. So I want to say that, you know, this current version of 24 hour records is, is diving pretty deep into the Nashville scene. So I want to dive deep into, you know, Chicago, Austin, New York, LA, all those places. Okay. So I mean, Minneapolis, we're in Minneapolis. We're right here. Minneapolis, of, of course. That was right. That was right next. <laughs> that was next. Time. Yeah, <laughs> we want you to get deep in Minneapolis. Okay, we're yeah. inviting you. We're bending over. We're, yeah. <laughs> no, but that. I mean, that's I'm a great. Those are great. Those are great <laughs> extensions, and I think it's just a, it's a really cool point you made, Grant, and then you echoed. Is that maybe like a hundred, two hundred, a thousand years ago, you wouldn't have stuff like this because there were natural boundaries to creating art, mm-hmm. and as those boundaries slowly over time and quickly more recently start to get torn down. It gives us the freedom to establish our own boundaries and create something new with that. There's like a fucking really incredible amount of creativity that goes in building up your own barriers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, And yeah, you're creating your own play space. Like that's amazing to me. So, this, I mean, this has already been a great discussion. Yeah. So thank you, Michael, for joining us and for weighing in. We would like to move on to some last thoughts about the topic. And the way that we frame it on this show, the constraints that we use, is by asking two questions to our guests. Mm-hmm. And you can just answer these in order. The first one is, how can our listeners support you and the work that you do? Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show what would that be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, thank you guys for having me. Um, how can the listeners support? Um, they can type 24HR records into YouTube or Google and find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of those things. Our videos will be around there. Um, and we would love to... If, if there's have, one thing you could have them go watch, is there like a particular standout episode or anything? Yeah, I mean, the last episode that we released, Triple, um, I think was great. We had um, three very um, differing artists at, at uh interesting points in their career one one guy heading a band that was releasing a record uh, a girl that is a solo artist but makes you know spends a lot of her time touring with jack white and a um kind of like a four higher gunslinger guitar player um that works on a you know almost uh exclusively other people's music they all got together and they and they and they made an episode and it, and it worked out so well. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, if you if you search two four HR records on on YouTube, that'll that'll probably be the first thing that comes up. Great. Um, yeah. And then um, the second question was what what to take away. Yeah. If you'd want our listeners to take one thing away from your time. Yeah. Um, I mean, take away that. You know, take away that. Um, whether you're setting up creative boundaries for yourself or 
you're completely influenced by the democratization of technology that everyone in every circumstance, whether they're working in a creative industry or not, um, you can make something and you, you can make something today. You can make something, um, that takes you a week or a month or years. But at the end of the day, uh, creativity, we think rules and, uh, it doesn't matter if you are a record producer or a music video producer or an accountant. Like, there are things that you can make, and there are things that you can create, and there are things that you can produce, and hopefully you do those, and hopefully you are fulfilled by those. Yeah, totally. I mean, fulfillment, that's a lot of what we're talking about, I think, even when we're talking about any of this sort of creation. And I think we'd be remiss not to bring it back to self-awareness because here's the thing here's the thing i think about uh constraints is putting yourself in constraints setting up constraints working within them or or frankly failing within them what it does is it pushes your face kind of closer to the flame and it reveals it strips away and and i think it teaches you a lot about your process about your art about whatever it is in any sort of discipline even you know you talked about an accountant Maybe that's saying like, oh, you know what, I'm going to try and accomplish this in X amount of time, or I'm going to try and, uh, you know, increase this or decrease this or whatever. Setting up sort of like little challenges or constraints to work within force mm-hmm. you to strive. I think they force you to, to, uh, to try and achieve. And whether you achieve or you don't, I think it teaches you. And I think that's like the ultimate thing. Whether it doesn't matter what you want at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of people strive to be great. But, but ultimately, like, learning about yourself and learning about your skills and, and progress, that's, like, fucking beautiful, man. That's the game. Yeah. You can't lose that one as long as you're moving forward. That's Absolutely. Failproof, right? Failproof. As someone on the show. As uh, actually a friend of the show who introduced us to you, uh, Jake Jorger in episode 35, uh, you should listen to that one. It's a good one. Failproof. I, I reference that one a lot because it's, it's a, lot, a lot of what we talk about comes back to that. Is how, and, and it's not actually failproofing, but how can we create circumstances where success looks like whatever the result is. Absolutely. Um, That's well said, Grant, and that's well said, Michael. So thank you again. Uh, This has been an awesome episode. Uh, We got into some, we really got into a lot of interesting things and we talked about an interesting project of yours. Um, We do have cronuts after this. Yeah. I'm kind of feeling a donut. (laughs) I've actually never had a cronut. Oh really? Yeah. Just in the side. Sorry. That's pretty good. You should check it out. Um, we do have one more request for you, Michael. Yes. Um, and let's see if it went smoothly last time, but it didn't in the past. So I'm going <laughs> to see. I'm going to see if I can hit this out of the park. Every week we sign off the show with a very simple phrase, and that phrase is "ship it." It is an embodiment of our personal philosophy. If it doesn't ship, it is an art. Never tread water. Always be doing something. Uh, if you would be so kind as to do that sign off for us, we would be overjoyed. Absolutely. Uh, Ship it.